Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thank you so much for listening. My guest today is Amy Wetzel. Before we get to Amy, I'm going to tell you the name of our website, which is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there, check it out, see pictures of our guests, see links to all their social media, see stories that I've written and other people have written. And uh, since we're talking about social media, you can see links to all our social media. And that is, of course, our Facebook page. Go follow us there. Uh, Our Twitter handle, which is Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We're on Instagram at Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. There are links to Stitcher Radio where you can subscribe to the show and iTunes. And if you go to iTunes, I ask, as always, to please give us a good rating because that boosts our presence, which helps more people find the show. And that's always a cool thing. So if you can do that, I'd appreciate it. If you want to write me, it's Travel Tales Podcast at gmail.com. Travel Tales Podcast at gmail.com. So it's a couple weeks after the election when I'm recording this, and um, still been a little depressed for a couple weeks. I got a lot of other things going on. I am uh, selling my place. I'm moving, and I'm not sure exactly what the future holds right now. Um, I know what the immediate future uh, holds. I am in escrow. Hopefully that will close, and um, I will stay temporarily with a friend through the holidays, and I'll also be on the road, speaking of the holidays. If anybody's taking a cruise... Over the holidays, you might see me on it. Uh, first week in uh, December, actually November 29th through December 6th, I will be on the Crystal Serenity. These are all in the Caribbean, by the way. December 22nd through 26th, I will be on the Celebrity Summit. And the 27th through January 6th, I will be back on the Holland America, New Amsterdam, the same ship that I was on for four weeks straight in Alaska this summer. So, hey, probably get to see a lot of the crew that I remember. Had a good time on that ship. And when I get back from this, uh, these cruises and working, um, when I sell this place, I'm supposed to close on December 7th, but I'm going to stay with a buddy of mine at least uh, through the holidays. And when I get back in January, I will uh, assess and uh, figure out my next move, whether I rent a place in L.A., stay in town for a little bit, or... Maybe do some extended travel. Might be a good time to do it. Not quite sure how the whole Trump thing is going to play out, folks. Uh, I would like to say I'm positive, but I'm not. (laughs) And uh, if any of you were out there traveling during the Bush years, uh, especially the last four years of the George W. uh, administration, it was rough going out around the country or around the world, I should say. Um, People did not like him. He was not popular. And I have a feeling uh, this upcoming uh, administration could be that uh, and even worse. Uh, Trump is not a popular man. He really kind of embodies every image of the American that I've been trying to fight when I'm overseas. Loud, arrogant, ignorant of local cultures and doesn't seem to care either way. Throws money around at every problem and uh, acts entitled. You know, that kind of thing. The thing that people hate Americans for. He embodies them. And so people are rightly worried because our politics affect the rest of the world. So it's a big, big deal. And so there's a lot of people scared. And uh, in terms of travel, and for those of you who, who are especially prone like me to travel overseas, it could be tough going in terms of uh, visas. Some countries uh, might uh, restrict visas. Some places might be, it's particularly Muslim countries, might be a little less uh, friendly toward Westerners in general, but especially Americans. So uh, beware. I I fear that there might be a few more travel restrictions for those of us who like to go around the world, Uh, maybe extended lines at airports because of uh, increased security, all that stuff. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be fun. But um, it's not going to keep me from seeing the world, and I certainly hope It doesn't keep you because if people traveled more, and I have to think that if more people traveled 
more Americans traveled around the world that uh, something like Trump would never happen. His type of um, rhetoric and politics, they've seen this around the world in many, many countries, and they know how it ends, and it's not always good. Uh, it's, I don't know if it's ever good, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. sounded weird to say it, but um, they've seen this movie before, and they see it happening in America, and they thought we were different, but uh, really doesn't look that way. So life will go on. But uh, I have to think the more that we travel, the more we uh, meet people from around the world and we realize that we're not all that different and that our similarities far outweigh our differences. And in the end, we just want a safe place to to live and have our children go to school and uh, work and that kind of thing. So we're not all that different. And once you break bread with somebody from a completely different culture, in their home, once you've been the only one speaking your language in an entire country, can you sympathize with being the outsider? And it makes it a hell of a lot harder to just bomb people and uh, discriminate. So travel can do that. So I'm going to stick with it, and I hope you guys do too. That's my Trump speech. I'm sure there'll be more on it uh, (laughs) down the road uh, as things change, but um, that's where I'm at now, trying to stay positive. But I will not be deterred from traveling. And now that the house, hopefully, knock on wood, as of this recording, is, uh, will be behind me soon. I'll have cash in the bank, no debts, and uh, a free reign to travel extensively, even more than I already am. So I'm excited about it. And uh, hopefully you'll join me. All right. I met Amy Wetzel through my friend Dara McGarry, a friend of the show. Uh, Dara was a guest a couple of years ago on the show. She's now living in London, but she was back in town visiting for work, and she wanted to have a little pre-Thanksgiving because she wouldn't be here for the Thanksgiving. So she had a Thanksgiving party, and I met Amy there. Amy is in uh, the costume world in Hollywood, so she does a lot of wardrobe and costuming. Well, she'll tell you all about it, but uh, it's amazing what jobs will take you around the world and afford you opportunities to travel. So Amy's been to a lot of cool places, and she uh, has some great stories, and it was a pleasure meeting her. So please enjoy my conversation with the lovely and charming Amy Wetzel. Amy, what you want to do? Amy Wetzel. Hi. Hi. The, uh, the, uh, first of all, tell people what you do and describe. Uh, you have an interesting job, so tell people what it is. Oh, okay. Um, I am a special effects fabrication artist. So I basically build, I mean, honestly, I kind of make monsters for a living. Uh, it's a lot of, I do uh, creature suits, specialty costumes, and uh, puppets, usually animatronic puppets, sometimes rod puppets, um, for movies and TV. So we do a lot of commercials, a, a lot of big films. You know, uh, and, and this requires a lot of travel. Yeah. So, I mean, I spend most of my time building in the shop locally here in Los Angeles. But I, um, so I'm kind of a glorified seamstress, really. So... When we build a suit, for example, like uh, the Iron Man suit or uh, the Jack Link Sasquatch uh, suit, <laughs> then somebody has to take that to set, dress it on our actor, and um, you know, kind of babysit it, keep track of it, um, do any fixes and repairs as it goes. So a lot of times when we shoot somewhere international, I'll just get a free international trip out of it. Wait a minute. You did the Iron Man suit? We, yes, although technically, while I have worked on those suits, I've never I never headed those suits. Um, I did quite a bit of work on the um, oh the Falcon, the first Falcon suit. Oh, cool! But I, I actually I just use that as an example. But I haven't actually gone to set with Iron Man. <laughs> How does one get into this line of work? Uh, I I mean personally, I just kind of tripped and fell into it. <laughs> I just completely lucked out and randomly randomly spent my entire life prepping for a job that I didn't know existed. Like if you were to say like when I was in high school, if they said, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? My ideal would have been like sixth grade art class all the time. (laughs) 
and because <laughs> you were making costumes there too. Uh, no, but just doing a lot of like hands-on, crazy problem-solving, you know, layers of glue and felt, and you know, just random stuff, and just I really enjoyed that tactile, hands-on, problem-solving kind of art, you know, and I, and I shouldn't even. Art might be a strong word for what it is. It's more like craftsmanship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, craftsmanship. So I um, I went through high school doing a lot of like home ec and doing more I, for our homecoming king and queen. We always did paper crowns every year. So I started doing the crowns when I was like, I don't know, in seventh or eighth grade now did you wear the crown i never did come on i didn't even make come on what terrible terrible so you improved the paper crown with what foam or some kind of Uh, plastic or what i had a good technique for making the tinfoil lay down really smooth by rubbing it with kleenexes oh interesting yeah yeah okay you should try that if you ever need to smooth out tinfoil Makes all the difference. And I often need to smooth out tinfoil. Uh, so it's every day. such a part of every day. Every day yeah. I need to s- smooth out some tinfoil. Um, so where, where did you grow up? Uh, well, I grew up in South Dakota. Oh, okay. um, And I've been in L.A. for 20 years now, almost 21 years. Um, but uh, I grew up in a tiny little town of 280 people. Um, graduated from high school with a class of 12. 12. Valedictorian. Okay, but you still didn't make the homecoming court. No, <laughs> that's saying something, huh? <laughs> this I can't believe. Yeah. And how many girls? Uh, well, it's actually eight girls. Four eight guys. girls. So, you know, valedictorian. Now I'm less impressed with the valedictorian. Oh come on! <laughs> I'm kidding. Twelve people. Twelve in a class. Uh huh. That's amazing to me. Four guys. Wow. Nice. Good on them, huh? <laughs> yeah. Nice ratio for them. Right. I mean, how much diversity were you exposed to growing up? I mean, how oh, many, did just, you travel? I mean, just about none. I mean, my my family was a little more diverse than a lot of them. Um, I but I will say, all of our school was white, right? Mostly blonde, mostly Germanic. Um, you know, very. That's about as homogenous Very as you can homogenous, get. Yeah. And any um, Native Americans or uh, a little bit. Um my best friend growing up was I think she's about three quarter Native American, a couple mm-hmm. of two different uh, tribes. But yeah, other I mean That's usually the majority diversity you'll see in yeah, in the Dakotas. Yeah, very little. Um and you know, I, I never met a like a Jewish person. What? Yeah. That was non existent. Yeah, but you heard about the horns though, right? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, and my um, my aunt uh, married a black man. What? And so that was like in your town? No. Well, yeah, she no. was. Come she went uh, into the military Aha, and met him in go. the army. Right. I think in Germany. And so that was kind of exotic. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. It was a, a big deal. But he was a, he was an American soldier. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Wow. So I think they live they live outside Denver now. But, okay. Uh, yeah. But you know, so I had cousins who were not white which was like that was wow, that crazy was exotic. That's and then the whole I had town talking another uncle who is blind blind from birth and so you know then we had that action too so mm-hmm. very you know well did your family travel much did you um i was never outside the country well except for okay so technically i was born in japan my father was um was he in the service? He too? was U.S. Army yeah. uh, during Vietnam. So uh, he was stationed in Okinawa and was able to bring my mother and my older brother over. And so I was born in Okinawa in the Army camp there, uh, military base. Is that ever a hassle when it comes to paperwork and You know, it just makes it so that they look at me funny when I come back into the country. <laughs> yeah, They're right. like, um, Japan? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, Vietnam. But. So how long were you there before you came back? A really little. Um, nine months. Oh, okay. I was like just a baby. Just a baby when I came back. Okay. Although I still attribute it. I have a, I really like salty, fishy things. And I, I think um, my my mother had a... Breast milk? You think her, she was eating? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think actually um, my my mom had a like a housekeeper helper on the base there and she gave me dried squid to teeth on. Oh. So I guess that's quite a quite common 
to teeth on dried squid. Whenever I go to any, Japan. yeah, any kind of, um, especially Asian countries, I always like to go to the, whatever the local, like Seven Eleven or something, uh-huh. and, and eat the local potato chips or the flavors <laughs> right, they get. It's right. crazy. A lot of prawn, seaweed, uh-huh. and that yeah. kind of chili and that kind of stuff. And I always get those. There's always seaweed kind yeah, of stuff. The and great ones in Thailand. Squid and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. So um, you came back. And came you back were- when I was like nine months old. We moved, uh, I think we moved to. To Lair, South Dakota for a few years and then to Pierre, South Dakota. It's not Pierre, by the way. It's not Pierre? No, it's Pierre. Pierre. Uh-huh. Look, I just, you might be looks, saying it wrong. Just because it looks like Pierre is <laughs> Pierre. Uh, we lived there for a year or two and then back to Tulare, and that's where I, I right. spent the rest of my, okay. you know. Well, you know my thoughts. I told you my thoughts on the Dakotas. Yeah. Only need one. Yeah, yeah. Only need one. I'll tell you, nobody from there ever refers to them as the Dakotas. <laughs> it is either South Dakota or North Dakota. I know. And we, we never. We just needed one big together. Dakota. That's all. It, and even <laughs> there's only like half a million people in each state. Yeah, but you know they all need space. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A little personal space. Well, give me some of the names of the places that you've been. I know you've been to it, India working. Uh-huh. You've have you been to Europe a bunch of times working? Um, you know, Europe is actually kind of a um I haven't been there as much as to a lot of other places. I shot in Prague and in Barcelona once. Um but I think and I I've been to uh Paris and London and Scotland, but that was all on my own. And then I, I did uh, the Camino de Santiago in northern Spain. Yeah, let's talk about that. When did you do that? Uh, that was three or four years ago. Okay, because I've, I've talked to a couple of people here who've done it. And uh-huh. just so people know, it's a, what, a 200-mile trail or well, something? The, uh, so there are a lot of different routes. The, and this goes back to yeah, like so hundreds of years. Easily, yeah. It's a, um, it's a pilgrimage, a Catholic pilgrimage. So you basically are doing atonement for your sins by walking this route. And, um, it's in northern Spain. Northern Spain. Yeah. So it's the, there are several different routes, but it, it ends in uh, Santiago, which is um, the way of St. James. So uh, St. James, I think, something to do with um, they uh, like buried him at sea and the boat came back full of cockle shells or there's something (laughs) crazy like that i'm not i i knew it at the time that i did it but i yeah but this isn't you don't you didn't hike the entire thing i did not but so so there are lots of different routes the main one is uh from the french border um to santiago and i just did they'd say like that one i would expect to take about a month um i know people who've done it in like 21 days I didn't think I could manage it. So I kind of figured out a good, I figured I had about three weeks off work. So I picked a good um, kind of midpoint or it's 200 miles from Spain is Lyon mm-hmm. or from Spain, from Santiago is Lyon. So um, I flew into Madrid, totally jet lagged, managed to get myself on the Metro to the train station, managed to get myself on a train to Lyon, managed to get off the train in Lyon and have no idea where I was, no idea what I'm doing, um, utterly lost, completely at, at a complete loss. I no idea what I'm doing. And so I, I'm, I've got everything that I brought on my back. I've got like a 20 pound, 18 pound backpack and that's it. Now, were you camping on that? Uh, no. So the, the Camino, you hike, um, from hostel to hostel, uh, they call them albergues. Uh, so they're just these different levels of hostels and you do not have reservations. You just show up and get a spot. And if there's not a spot, you move on. Now, these uh, hostels are all in, in little towns or are they in the middle of nowhere? Uh, all of the above. I mean, they're okay. in cities, they're in little towns, they're in, they're all over the place. So uh-huh. I'm, I got off my train. I'm looking for the albergue. I don't know what I'm doing. I look around and I see that there are other backpackers. And they seem to be funneling in a direction. So I just, you just follow them covertly start following them. And then I also realized that there's another girl here. She's following me. Sure. Yeah. She's, she's so lost. She doesn't even know that I'm lost. <laughs> well, were they all going there? So I followed them and managed to find my way to the albergue. Got one of the last beds in there. So it happened to be at the very, like, it's, it's an old, um, uh, 
nunnery. What's the word? Oh, monastery. But not monastery for nuns. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, Convent. Convent. It's an old convent. And so I got my first stamp. You've got this like piece of paper with your passport, you know, thing, and you get your stamp. So I check in. I get my bed. It's right inside the door on the the top bunk of the first bunk mm-hmm. inside the bed or inside the front door. And I'm kind of wiped out. I'm totally jet lagged. I'm totally screwed up. I think, okay, I'm just going to lay down for a little bit. So I climb up there. I lay down. I'm asleep. And I feel little bitty hands grab my hip. And I'm like, what the hell? Little hands gripping on my hip. And I'm like, I'm being like, am I being assaulted? Am I being robbed? What the hell's going on? And they're tiny. I was as a child. And so I carefully look over. A pigeon has flown in the door of the albergue and landed on my hip. <laughs> and it's just surveying. Just walking around. little domain. <laughs> From the viewpoint of my hip. Nobody yeah. else is in the room? There's plenty of people. Lots of people. There's literally a hundred people coming and going from this room and a pigeon perched on my hip. Did you yell? Did I you... did not, but I did kind of startle and roll over and the and it did take off without <laughs> crapping on me. So that's yeah, good. a plus too. Those are some really tiny hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that was my that that was my blessing. That's your starting. Yeah. So three days, uh, three weeks, you were on this. Uh huh. How far did you get? How many miles? Uh, so I started out. I had figured I could do about thirteen miles a day. That was kind of what I'd done my initial uh, calculations at, and I had my little map book, figured it all out, and um, it. I quickly realized that I could do far more than thirteen miles a day. But also that I am an incredibly slow walker. <laughs> but I can go, I can walk 25 miles. Just slowly. I just do it slowly. Like Did, little old ladies are passing me. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Did you um, train or anything beforehand? Yeah, I was doing, um, I did about seven miles a day here before I left. <laughs> what time of year was this? Uh, let's see. It was, I left right at the beginning of... End of June, early July. I think that my first day on um, the my first day on the Camino was the summer solstice. How many hours a day would you say you would walk, and like how many miles a day um, did you average? Well, I averaged. I after the first couple of days, I went about twenty to twenty-five miles a day. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so it goes pretty quickly. Then um, I would get up at about five o'clock in the morning which I don't know, just felt like the proper time to get up. And well, that's when the pigeons wake you up, right? right? Yeah, they land. Uh, So then I would get, get my stuff all put in the backpack, head on out, probably have like a cup of coffee or like sometimes you're restricted by exactly where you are. So some of some places, nothing would be open yet. So you just like, you know, fill up your canteen and head on out. So I would hike mm, probably like two hours. And then just about that moment when you were like, oh, I could really use a cup of coffee. Bling. There'd be a cafe. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd stop and have a cafe, you know, have a coffee and um, like a cafe con leche. And then they'd have um, what they call uh, a tortilla there. Oh, yeah. It's like kinda, a quiche. Yeah. Yeah, so, I used to eat those all the time. Yeah, and it wonderful. cried out for uh for me like hot sauce. Hot sauce would be so much and better. And I wanted it and I would ask for it and they nobody, no, has nobody hot sauce. yeah, they don't do hot sauce. Somebody brought me ketchup once. I was like, "No, salsa picante." And uh, yeah. Somebody found an old dusty bottle of uh, <laughs> uh Tabasco uh-huh. somewhere and they're just watching me put it on this like, thing. Like, crazy. Look at the crazy, crazy American. Crazy American guy. So like all these places along the trail do they know what you're doing? I mean, they yeah, must see yeah. a million backpackers they, all the time. Yeah, and it's kind of their bread and butter. So yeah. they know that this time of year, that's who they cater to. Uh, thousands of people going through, you know. So for people who want to do daily. it, I mean, do they? is there like a uh, lot of uh, elevation? Is it up and down? Is it just a trail? Um, is it road? Is if it- you start on the French border, there are mountains at the beginning. So if you start on the French border, there that first day is like straight uphill. Uh, you go through the uh, Pyrenees. So it, that one's pretty harsh. But the portion that I started with, 
Leon, you end up doing kind of a straight shot through very flat lands. And then as you get nearer to Santiago, there are a couple days where it's mildly hilly, you know, uh, more like, like the, you know, the little mountains here, you know, right, right. like walking through Griffith Park, you know, gotcha. nothing crazy. So nothing too strange. It's, it's, it's not just, like mountaineering yeah, or anything. Exactly. Like yeah. And it's like mostly the equivalent of like dirt roads. Okay. Uh, here and there, it's more of a, Mm, a hiking trail, but everything is so well marked. There yeah. are all these little yellow arrows that point your way. Uh, so as long as you have a half of mind to keep a track of the map and watch your arrows, you're good. Were you bummed that you didn't do the entire thing? Like uh, it was over? Yes, because actually, because I finished so much more quickly than I expected. I really wish I'd started at the beginning. I And also, quite honestly, the last day... Or, even the last two days into Santiago was my least favorite part of the of the hike. Oh, really? Why so is it get, like more industrial it, or? Yeah, it gets industrial. You're walking on sidewalks through cities. It's right. it's not as. Um, it's almost for me. It was anticlimactic. Yeah, you know, to get there. Like, where's the parade? Yeah, or <laughs> like, you know, you've been in all these amazing little towns. With and have this camaraderie with all these people, and, and you then finish you, in like a suburb. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you spend your last day walking through a suburb, and then you, you know, you get there and you lo- lose track of all the people that you've seen all along the way. And did you make friends with people? Yes, absolutely. Okay, wonderful people on you know, and you're all you're all doing the same thing, so you automatically have things in common with people that you would normally not have anything in common with. Yeah. So as a woman traveling by herself, you didn't feel, uh, I will say, I think that this is probably the safest trip as a woman traveling alone I've ever been on. Um, it was just so, it's so supported. Um, you know, you, like I said, you, you walk, you hit a cafe, you have your, they're expecting your, you or your kind. Mm -hmm. Um, the, I just, I had such a safe experience the entire way. I would absolutely recommend it. But, and I would also absolutely recommend going alone. I think going with a group or going with a, even you better really like somebody you're going with and you better walk at the same pace. Um, I found very quickly that I needed to hike at my own pace. The only day that I tried to keep up with some other uh, woman that I met is the only day I blistered. Oh, hmm. like, right. Yeah. It's, this is, you will either run into people again or you won't. You will either get a room in the place you want to stay tonight or you won't. It's, right. you just have to kind of trust in the universe <laughs> and just kind of go with it. And it was, that was really freeing, really hard to not have a reservation that night. Terrifying at first. Right. Did you have a backup, like a a tent with you, or no, no tent? Um, I will say that the are people allowed to camp? I don't think so. I oh. mean, there are places where you'd get away with it. Um, I I met a couple people who did a little tent camping on the way, but really unnecessary. Um, there's there's always some place. It is very freeing to have a little bit of money um, if you're. I mean, there are a lot of students on it who are on total shoestring budget Mm -hmm. where they're like, well, you know, the um, the public albergue is six euro a night. And I'm like, well, the private one is way nicer and it's nine. Yeah. You know, No, I hear you. That's yeah. Your comfort to be able to afford it is nice. And so then, okay, well, if there's not a spot in the six dollar, there's not a spot in the nine dollar. Okay, well, I'm going to spend twelve dollars and get a private room at a different little right. hotel, and oh, then I'm going to spend you know twenty euro and go up to this place. Or and then there's wine, Pichon and you know, yeah. <laughs> this so, is my kind of hike. There's wine and coffee along the way. Everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> I would so like I'd start at five, I'd get someplace and have coffee eight ish. About ten, you'd be like, you know what? It'd be good a beer and a ham sandwich, you know, and that wonderful like Iberian ham, oh, the which. Best. Also, Hamon, Hamon uh, that needs mustard. Oh, you think? If I were to go again... Bring your own mustard. Bring your own mustard. Also, 
Okay, here's what I would bring. And hot sauce. Hot sauce, right. mustard, and little packets of jelly. I ran into I found a place where I was able to buy little packets of jelly and then I ran into a woman who managed to buy mustard and so we traded <laughs> jelly for mustard because the bread is amazing. Oh yeah, it's really good. So like you'd walk by a place and be like You'd smell you know, it. it'd be like a cartoon. You're like floating in the air following <laughs> the smell of this bread. And so you just buy a bo- loaf of bread. I So the pilgrim's menus that you... So you'd get to a town at night. The pilgrim's menus? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pilgrim's menu. In so, the inns or, or in the well, so hostels or the some restaurants? Some of the hostels would have it. But usually, in, especially in the bigger towns, you'd check into your hostel and then you'd go walk around town. And first you'd do your little laundry, hang it up, yeah. and then you know, take a little shower, go walk around town in your nice clothes. You know? And they would have, a lot of the restaurants would have pilgrim's menus. And it would be, oh, maybe like five, six euro. And you would get like a five course meal. It would be, and it came, it would be like appetizer, soup, entree, dessert. Mm, coffee. And, yeah. and then also, and coffee, and it would come with either a bottle of water or a bottle of wine. Easy decision. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I quickly started bringing my own water so that I would get my wine. And I had there like one of my little, um, little hiker, um, little plastic canteens, little squeeze bottles. So that would, I would bring my water in that, drink that, drink my wine until I couldn't anymore, put the rest of the wine in my little bottle, my little canteen, and take it with me. Mm-hmm. So now tomorrow I've got a little, Let, little canteen of wine. Put a little pep in your step. Yeah, yeah. So, this is a cool um, thing. Yeah. This is the second time I've uh, talked to somebody about it, and it sounds like, a lot of fun, like right up my alley. Highly recommended. All right. Well, talking about um, traveling and having weird experiences as a solo mm-hmm. woman, especially as a solo blonde woman, let's talk about <laughs> India. Oh, that's fun <laughs> stuff. You've, yeah, oh, yeah. Blonde in India. <laughs> You've gone there how many times? Uh, let's see. I am possibly this week leaving on my fourth trip this year. Um, I'm fourth still, this year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. At so, least all the same airline? Did you get all those points? I got a lot of points. a girl. Yeah. Um, good old Qatar Airways. So you, what's the average stay? How long are you there? For weeks um, and weeks? The, the first one was, a, a, the first trip was super quick trip. That one, I think we were here, with the, there for five days. And then the next two trips were both for th- three weeks each. So okay. um, it's... These are all for films? All for a film. It's all for the same movie, and I, I oh the same one. I have wow. probably two more trips for the same film. Uh, one in January that's looking pretty solid. The one next week is they're having some difficulties with work visas right now. And what part of uh, India? Uh, so the first, so I've I've been to um, uh, Chennai twice and Delhi once. Okay. Give me and Chennai is is where? Uh, it's south or north. I think it's called Madras is the area. Oh, yeah. It's south and a little bit east. Okay. So not at the very tip of India, but just a little bit up on the on the east side. And as a town, it's, I mean, I would say cities are rough in India, man. I, yeah, I just found it. I mean, it can be overwhelming. Delhi is a lot more international. Has. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot easier to function as a single woman in Delhi. Chennai, um, it's, I mean, you got to keep in mind that we're working almost the whole time. So I didn't have a lot of time off, but um, it's not as approachable. Um, Chennai, when I leave the hotel by myself, I get a lot of... Uh, unwanted attention. Unwanted attention. It's not really, <laughs> truly harassment. It's just... And stairs. A lot of stairs. Stairs. And guys, like, a lot of men talk to you, but they don't, you know, they're, it's, they just sort of say, you know, like, oh, I love you. I love you. Who are, where are you from? Come talk. I love yeah. you. You know? <laughs> and you're like, oh. I mean, I think they have a... I, I mean... I guess the women there are very uh, conservative. 
Oh yeah, there's no like you know, there's no hand holding, there's no there's public no, displays yeah. of affection. Or... So, and I talked to so many people who were based who had arranged marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have this kind of idea, which I guess is semi-accurate, that uh, American girls are, are, are pretty loose. Yeah, they have that. Uh, they have that uh, rep around the world. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. So you're just kind of. You're, you're, you start off at this disadvantage and whether or not you, I mean, I tried so hard to dress so appropriately and then I saw other American women in like mini skirts and tank tops and the honest truth is they were barely harassed more than I was. <laughs> You know, how did you didn't try to cover your hair or anything? No, I didn't try. I only did that in Delhi when I was at uh, one of the temples there. Right. But um, I did uh, like shoulders are considered pretty erotic. Um, Anything above the the knee? Anything above the knee. uh, The curvature of like your lower back to butt is a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, slower. So it's uh, so you then don't faster than slower don't want, again. <laughs> you don't want anything that's too fitted on your butt. Um, I hate everything about this country, right? And, and it's actually <laughs> and even the the lower curve, like you don't want the inner curve at the bottom of a butt. Go on. So um, so you want uh, describe more like, it more. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but this, so you basically you, you don't want any shape, right? Basically. Well, and what I mean. I go through life wearing a, tan- a tank top and jeans, mm-hmm. so I'm completely inappropriate in those clothes. Right. Um, you know what's weird though is midriff isn't a big deal. Midriff's fine, and in fact, like under boob, totally fine. That mm. absolutely. So you'll see little old ladies in their saris with their little blouse that they wear underneath, where because of the heat they've hiked it part way up, <laughs> and that's. Totally fine. You wear a sari when you're there. Uh, I bought a couple, and well, you I could make one. Attempted. Well, it's just a, it's a <laughs> it's a very piece of cloth. long rectangle. Yeah, but there's a real art to getting it tucked properly. And I even had safety pins and stuff. And I oh, you cheated. Yeah, but it still was bad. Like, yeah. Um, but I guess what you can do is you can go and get a um, you can get fitted for a sari and they will actually kind of sew it up to a underskirt for you. Oh, nice. So we Americans can just slip it on like a skirt and throw the thing over your shoulder and be good. <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I remember being in the Mumbai train station and watching, just sitting on the platform and watching the trains unload and to just be men, men, men all over the place, just going to work and everything. Mm-hmm. And then be one because they separate, there's a separate uh-huh. female car. So just be like all these men and then this one door opens and then this women just come out and it's all this explosion of color uh-huh. because their dresses are so, yeah. you know, the blue Ooh. and white and, and yellows and greens. And, yeah. and it was like a, a black and white movie turned into uh-huh. a color one, like yeah. Wizard of Oz or something. It was really amazing to watch. But it's just, I found a, India, I've, I've said this before, it's just kind of like, it's extreme in every way. You know, it can be extremely yeah. beautiful, but it's still the worst poverty I've ever seen. And, yeah, and, amazing um, poverty. And especially like near the studio where we're shooting in Chennai, um, just so much trash. Yeah. Like, it's just, I'm, I mean, I've actually been noticing that LA litter is kind of bad right now, but mm-hmm. uh, especially in Scotland, no litter, no. zero litter, beautiful, pristine. Then I came back home and was like, Bzzah. No, it's and it's gotten worse because of uh, it's homelessness, basically. Right. So they're living on the street, and yeah. you're going to have their trash, you know. It's, yeah. And did people digging through the trash? Yeah. It's and a lot. then, it's, um, and know. there don't seem to be in in uh, in Chennai there there wasn't a trash cup truck that comes every Thursday or whatever mm-hmm. and picks up your trash. So there were just like people would dig a hole and just start throwing their trash in it, and then. Yeah. It blows around and gets stuck in stuff and, ooh, you know. Also, the outdoor toilet use. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's tough to watch. Is, yeah. yeah. That's that's one thing to watch a guy like, oh, oh, he's peeing against that wall. But, you know, it's like being at a Dodger game or something. Uh, but Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then you're like, oh, that lady is, oh. Yeah. Oh. Old number two on the uh, yeah, railroad tracks or in okay. an alley. Great. Yeah. 
tough in a, in a place where there's a billion people. Yeah. It's not yeah. a lot of benefits to having a billion people in anywhere mm-hmm. in one place. You know? So I haven't been to mainland China, but I got to imagine it's kind of the same. Yeah. It's got to be. I but I mean. I've only been through the airport in China. So four trips to India. Uh-huh. How many bouts of food poisoning? Oh, God. <laughs> I had one. Uh, I would say two. <laughs> one was uh, everybody. Everybody gets sick. Even the people who oh, yeah. are like. I have a strong stomach. Yeah. I never really. But this, India, India took me out. Yeah. This guy Vance that I work with. He's like, I can eat anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He got him. <laughs> um, but I. The one wasn't too bad. But the other one was in Delhi. And I had a, a day off. So I was like, all right, I'm going to see all I can see of Delhi um, in my day. So I uh, went on TripAdvisor and I found a tour guide. And this guy, Sandeep, wonderful guy, highly recommend him. Uh, Sandeep. Sandeep from, uh, I think it's Silver Wings Tour. Silver Dove or Silver Wings? Silver Dove, maybe. All right. Anyway, super guy. Um, So he was shuttling me, going to shuttle me all around Delhi, hit all the major you know, landmarks. So now knowing that I'm going to be on my own this whole day, I tried to dress very appropriately. So I have kind of, um, uh, this one bikini. piece, so a bikini thong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had this one piece little jumpsuit that has nice baggy pant legs and it's a tank top top. So I had kind of a, a little, um, like a wrap or something? Uh, like a kimono kind of top that okay. went over the top of it. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing really well here. So, um, uh, and then I've got little, my little tote bag all, you know, out there, my guidebook all ready to go. So Sandeep takes me around and I've been a little iffy tummy for, you know. <laughs> iffy <okay>. tummy? <laughs> yeah. But um, he's taking me around, having a great day. We stop at the Gandhi Memorial, and we're going to have a cup of... He's going to buy me a chai tea. Mm-hmm. And I, just FYI, I do not blame this chai tea for this. So, <laughs> you but, realize what I'm drinking right now. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Thank hmm, you. All right. I'm going to need to use your facilities. <laughs> yeah. So I'm drinking my chai tea, talking to Sandeep, and my stomach rolls. And I'm oh. like, oof, Okay. <laughs> Hey, is there a restroom? And he's like, "Oh, well, there's a public one down the way here." And oh no! So oh no, not a public we, one. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no! Oh yeah, this is good. Uh, oh. So he walks me down there, and I this on the way there, I'm like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, it's right there. Okay, you're gonna be okay. Just hold up." We get there, and it's you have to pay. Yeah. And of course, I don't have anything smaller than the equivalent of like a twenty dollar bill, and it's like two cents. Yeah. And so Sandeep's like, no, don't worry. Let me go get some change. So I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And he's got to go back to the car and get some oh. change. And, oh, man, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. <laughs> oh, no. And so we get, I get inside. He, he brings change. I pay. I get inside. And there's one stall open. And I run into that stall. And it's a, it's a squat. Yep. Yeah. A hole in the ground. Yeah. Yep. With little foot pads, right? Yep. And I'm like, screw that. It is what That's, it is. It is what it is. It's going to do, yeah. right? Remember when I thought it was such a great idea to wear a one-piece jumpsuit? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm like, and oh, by the way, the floor is filthy, oh, right? No. Filthy. And, and there is never toilet paper no. in these bathrooms, okay? So I am digging through my bag. Well, there have, is now a kimono. <laughs> I have two Kleenexes. Oh, no. Two. And there's nowhere to hang anything in this place, oh. right? So I, this is even better if I can act it out for you, but this you're going to have to use your imagination. All right. So <laughs> you I have, to do have some dance. Taken, I take off my kimono. I put it in my tote bag. I put my tote bag in my teeth. I take down the one-piece bodysuit. I hold it to the front so that I don't get anything <laughs> right. on it. I go into a chair sit. Like you would at the gym that is sure. the, like... So you're burning your quads. My quads. <laughs> this is the best quad workout I've had in months. I've got one finger balancing me against the wall because that's all I want to touch because oh. this is just disgusting. And I managed to make do with my two Kleenexes. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
That's my best foods outside you the Gandhi do-do. Memorial. You make doo doo uh-huh. with your two. I made. I made it work. God, that's horrible. Yeah, horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never had a. Uh, I never. Uh, I didn't have it. I had it the other way, like just vomiting. Like, oh, that's harsh. Projectile. When they say projectile, I know what they meant now. now. You know what they, yeah, yeah, I literally could have been across the room. Uh-huh. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was the worst night of my life. Nice. Horror. And it was Christmas night. I remember it. Oh, that's, that's sweet. Yeah, it was lovely. Uh-huh. Was, yeah. So be forewarned, everybody, that are, that's yeah. going. Okay, give me your top cities in the world, places you love the most, Ugh, that you okay. could go back to every anytime. Oh, boy. Um... All right, it would it would it rocks to be rich in Rio. Sure. Um, if you can stay right on Copacabana or Ipanema, oh my God, beautiful, wonderful. Um, I really like Barcelona. Could spend a significant amount of time there. Um, oh boy, you know, driving around in northern Scotland. You know, that's really pretty up there. Oh, sure. I could the deal weather's with that. miserable, but yes, but you know what? I have. My, I realized this after several days of driving around in northern Scotland. When I got my glasses, I had them put a slight pink tint in the lenses. <laughs> you that literally is so have, cheerful. You literally have rose-colored glasses. Yes, and it, makes, it <laughs> literally makes a difference. Everything felt like the sun is just about to break through. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, I forgot a handy tip. that I put that on there. When were you in Scotland? Uh, July. Okay. I was there for my birthday. Nice. Yeah. So, so you're there for your 29th birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, totally. I have I've only been to Edinburgh and, uh, Glasgow. So you went, did you go way up North? Uh, we went, so, uh, my friend Dara, who your friend Dara too, uh, who lives in London, I flew to London, spent a couple days there with her. And then we caught a train to Edinburgh and then rented a car there, drove up to uh, like Loch Ness, Inverness mm-hmm. area, and circled there, and then kind of cut across to the east coast. Um, Stonehaven, I think, is the name of the, the town we stayed in there, which was great. Um, and then cut back down to Edinburgh, took the train back to London. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice little trip. Yeah, it was great. It was also my first time driving on the left. And how'd you do? I I rocked. Good. I was so proud of myself. I automatic or stick? Come on now, you know, I did a stick. It was, it was an automatic, uh, but I was prepped for cheating. a stick. Okay. Because I hadn't driven a stick in like nineteen years. Yeah, so and be- you're shifting with your left. Yeah, I know. Hand, which right, is, takes a little. Bit. So before I left for Scotland, and knowing that I was probably renting a stick shift, mm-hmm. um, my friend who. Uh, works for Singer Automotive that's a fancy Porsche company. He and is he's like their driver. He took me out on a tutorial uh with his stick shift which was not a Porsche, it was a Honda, but oh, well. um but drove around with a stick shift just to refresher me. <laughs> Did uh okay, give me your top food destinations. Ooh. I mean Paris is pretty amazing for food. Um, let's see. Have you ever had, have you been to Rio? Yeah. Um, I think, well, you should have, you know, Caipirinhas. <laughs> That's a good thing. And, um, uh, the, uh, I think it's, it's called feijoada. It's a yeah, yeah, like black bean dish. It's yeah. like a stew. Yeah, that's so like the good. national, they have it on Sundays. Yeah, that kind of mess you up too. If you, you know, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's awesome. Um, but pastries in Paris, great. Um, let's see. I'm like looking at my map, like where have I been that I really liked? For um, me, the two are always, it always ends up coming back to Italy and Thailand. Yeah, Thailand's to, good food. Yeah. Um, I haven't been to Italy yet, but what? Yeah, come on. I will say you would um, love it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, Italy and Greece are totally on my agenda. I just haven't made it yet. Um, do not go to the Galapagos for the food. Okay. Yeah, I haven't been in the, that's on my list to go. Not for the food, of course. You, yeah. Nobody goes to the Galapagos for the food. Yeah, you go for just, the nature. Everything's flown in except the fish. And, right. Yeah. When were you at the Galapagos? Um, boy, I think that was two years ago. On your um, own? This is not work related, or anything. not not work related. Um, one of my girlfriends and I um do a lot of traveling together, so we 
um, just found a deal online. And uh, she's the same one I went to Thailand with a few years before that. So um, just flew down there. I went through Guayaquil, Ecuador, and then out uh, to the Galapagos. I hear it's pricey. You know what? Um, We managed to get a pretty good deal. I don't remember what it cost at this time, but it it was a pretty good deal. Um, But we stayed on the islands. So I know a lot of them are uh, boats, you know, little ships that go around. Right. Yeah. Or you live on the ship. Yeah, Yeah. live on the ship. So like tiny cruises. Uh But um, the the one that we did was, I think, Red Mangrove Tours or something like that. It was uh, was really good. Is it like... How I imagine it. Have you seen these like crazy animals everywhere and, and you can go like really close to them? And... I mean, on the one hand, it's kind of like going to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. It's very, um, you know, that kind of tropical, uh, you know, lush environment. But the, you know how like you go to a park and the squirrels are used to you <laughs> and yeah. they just come like hang out or like that's how it is there except for it's sea lions. Right. You know, like, there's no fear of uh, they're humans just like they they will just come, you know, I don't know what what exactly they do. Hop up like you'll be sitting in a lounge chair and suddenly a, a seal comes up and lays next to you or you'll be having your brunch on a patio and marine iguanas walk by, um, you know, the, the giant tortoises that are like bigger than my coffee table, like <laughs> they're just like hanging out, munching on some grass. Uh, they don't really care if you're there or not. How strict are uh, the staff and everything about making sure you don't mess with them and touch they're, with them? Very strict. There's a lot of. Um, I think the rule is that you have to have a uh, basically like a park ranger guide with you at all times. So that was included in the tour that we did. Um, so that's nice. Uh, he just told you, you know, you can do this, you can't do that. But, like, the fact that, like, the seals are cool with you doesn't mean they're not going to bite you. And yeah. they're big. <laughs> and, you know, there was, like, a mother seal with her pup, like, as far away from me as you are. Like, just hanging out, you know, little baby pup, just nursing, doing his thing. Right there. You know, this thing's the size of a small bear. Right. You know? I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> but How long were you there? A week? Uh, I think that whole trip was like 11 days, but it takes you a while to get there. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, it was a really cool trip. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, if you're going to go, go soon. I feel yeah. like it gets a little bit like things... It's getting overrun. Yeah. Like, there's a... There's a Catholic element to the people that live there that makes it so they like, oh, I want a cat, but it's you shouldn't make a cat so it can't have kittens. Mm-hmm. And then, so then there's feral cats with feral uh, yeah. kittens Killing the eating local. the songbirds. And, right, right. You know, so it's uh, yeah. There are some choices that you're just like, um, are mm-hmm. you sure? I mean, do you really need to farm cattle out here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, but so, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, people. People. The worst thing for the planet ever. Yeah. Did Need a good plague. Oh, boy. Now more than ever. Knock wood. Did the... Uh, so, okay, on your... what? What's next for you? You might be going back to India. Yeah, so uh, I've got two trips to India coming up. Um, but I'm actually... I'm prepping to go to um, Africa Burn. Oh, yeah, you were telling is, me about this. Yeah. The uh, It's like a Burning Man in South Africa. Yeah, so I have not... I was talking about going to Burning Man next uh, next summer, summer 2017. And you've never been? I've never been. Me either. Yeah. Um, but I've been talking to people about it and had friends who've gone. And was like, you know what, maybe I'll just go, you know? To Burning Man. To Burning Man. So then I was talking to a friend of mine who is going to um, Africa Burn, and he was like, oh... You should just do this. I've got a camp that I go with. I've got friends that I go with. It's, you know, it's kind of preset. And it's a little bit smaller than Burning Man. So it's kind of a get your feet wet. It's still approachable. But but the honest truth is it's still huge. Sure. I mean, I, I can't remember if it's like six or 10,000 people. 
And this is like in but, April or something? So this will be end of April, April, I believe, 23rd. Um, and it's only a six-day instead of a 10-day like Burning Man. Mm-hmm. But That's enough, isn't that, it? It seems like a good amount, right? <laughs> right. So then, I think I could handle like three days, but that's just me. I don't know. So my friend who's going, I was like, great, I'm going to go. Let's see if you can get me a ticket with your group. And they sold out. Oh. So then I started like going. There's none online? You could probably find some. Well, so I went online and was looking around trying to find, and I like joined a bunch of groups and stuff. And there's a, uh, a camp called Aliens Coffee Shop that I started reading their kind of mission statement. And I was like, oh, I like this. And you got that barista experience. Exactly. So. <laughs> I, yeah. And also kind of, I'm an early riser by yeah, nature. Perfect. So I was like, this will work. So, but anyway, so then I, um, uh, like joined or started chatting with the guy who runs that camp and, uh, tentatively joined that. He was invited to join and I said, okay, well, all right, the tickets go on sale for the whole event, uh, on, you know, this coming Thursday. So if I can get a ticket, then I'm definite on your, uh, camp. But if I can't get a ticket, then, you know. And he's like, oh, let me see if I can get you a ticket through our group. So he did. So <laughs> nice. I, so I just bought the ticket through him. And so I signed up for his group. So I'm not with the people that I know, but I'm near the people that I know. All right. so. Well, how much were tickets going for if people want to so, like, scam some tickets? Burning Man here, it's <laughs> it was like a lot. $400-ish, yeah. somewhere in that realm. Africa Burn tickets are, I think, eighty five. Wow! And then joining the camp was another like eighty five. Just got to get there. So I just got to get there. Yeah, you got to fly nineteen hours to, to yeah. get there. Yeah, <laughs> to Cape Town, and then so you're gonna get there, and then you're gonna take another either bus or a short hop little flight mm-hmm. to get to the actual um, reserve where they hold it. Wow! You know, north of Cape Town. Yeah. And you've been to South Africa before, right? I've been to Cape Town and south of Cape Town. I did the... Uh, yeah, the shark cage, shark cage, cage that, that I did. There. We yeah. probably did the same exact one. Probably. In Gansby, Gansby or whatever. Could be, man. Yeah. Took a little shuttle down there. Yep. It was yeah. cool. Have you talked cool. about that before? On uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. That you don't really... I always tell people you don't, you don't go... You're not in a cage fully submerged. You know, you're, you're on right. the side of the boat. You're half submerged, and then you know they say down, and then you go down to your left, down to your yeah, left, yeah, and then you hold your breath and go down under uh-huh. and see them. But still, it's it's, it's cool. really cool. Yeah. And the thing that I didn't realize until my second time in the cage, when I was just about to get up and come out, is I turned around and realized your entire back of the cage is, you know, like you feel like you're on the edge of the boat, not realizing that the cage is on the back of you as well, and you're below the boat. So if you turn around and look, like there could have been 12 giant sharks <laughs> staring at your butt the whole time. Right. Suddenly how that really, like, the fact that freaked they could have out. been sneaking up behind me freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. But that's what that cage is for. Yeah. But, I, you know, cage with me looking through it is one right, thing. Sure. Cage with them looking at me is a whole nother world. <laughs> Yeah. So tell me, what do you think, as a small town South Dakota person, uh-huh. seeing so much of the world and living in a different place, um, what is the reaction of your family back home? What do they ask you the most about, say, L.A. or these other parts of the world when you talk to them? Do they think you're crazy for doing these things? And do they worry? Do they, are they really scared? Yeah. I mean, I think... I, I don't... I don't think my parents even have a passport anymore. I, I mean, in fact, I'm pretty sure they don't. Um, I think my mom worries about me when I'm a, when I go places. Um, but I think I think they, especially I think my dad understands me wanting to go to these places to check things out. Um, but even like my dad doesn't like crowds and stuff and. I, he doesn't even like coming to L.A. I can't see, yeah, you know, India. I can't see taking him <laughs> to India or, you know. What, what do you think all this travel and um, your experiences has taught you about yourself 
and about uh, people in general and America when you look at it from the outside as opposed to? Mm-hmm. Um, I think as far as like learning about myself, one of the important things is that you can figure anything out if you just, you know, if you are off the plane in Madrid, you can figure out the metro if you just concentrate and take the time and look it over and figure it out. Um, you know, you can figure out, oh, well, I've got five days off in Chennai. I might as well go to the Maldives by myself, figure it out. <laughs> you know, there's there are ways of, it's just, it's not that hard. You can go all over the world and it's not that hard. Like, how nice is that? Yeah. I think you know, fear keeps most people from going and, places. And that's a big thing. You can be totally terrified and then do it anyway. And that's a big step. Most people get stuck in the fear part and don't realize that the solution to the fear is to figure it out. And I think that might be true um, of people in general as far as... Um, well, I mean, as far as like immigrants coming in, you people misidentify their fear. They are afraid of these different people. And instead of just admitting, oh, geez, I'm afraid, they become self-conscious of their fear and become angry. Yeah, yeah it's different. It, things it's different. are different yeah. and they're weird. But oh my God, I, every time I hear somebody say, why do I have to, you know, press two for English? I'm like, oh my God, wait until you're in Dubai and you're looking at that ATM machine going, oh my God, press eight for English, press eight for English, <laughs> yeah, oh yay! Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or the, uh, or in Japan or oh. any, any Asia where it's not, at least in, yeah. in Europe, you know, if it says yeah. ristorante, you yes. know what that means. Yeah, but, right. you know, if it's like a little symbol that looks like a... A house with a uh, picnic table in it. <laughs> right. What does that mean? Like, Hospital, I, bank? I it could know. mean anything. I, yeah. How much money did I just get out? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. We take uh, so much for granted. Like there's nothing wrong with press one for English. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's that big of a hassle in your life? Yeah. You can just, yeah. Oh my God, just press one. <laughs> right. I will take that any day over. Yeah. You it's know. An, we can't be an island. You can't go it alone. And as much as people wanted to believe, you know, we need. And well, and each also other. the simple fact is, there. I think, I think a lot of Americans think America is the be all end all. Well, yeah, they're told that from day one. And then you go somewhere like you're like, wow, Auckland's this is kind of nice. Cool. Yeah, this, this is, is a neat city. Not a bad way to wow, live. Wow, Vancouver, that's a neat city. Oh, Hong Kong. That's a cool city. Yeah. Love Bangkok's all those places. neat. You know, you're just like, there's, there's a lot of cool cities. Yeah. There's a lot of cool countryside. You know, we don't have anything on New Zealand. No. I know. Oh, know? my God. It's the most beautiful place ever. It's, yeah. Oh, sorry. They got it pretty sorted. I, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they've got their own issues, but. Well, of course. Wow. Every, every country does. Yeah. But, uh. It has taught me that there's no perfect place. Right. Um, Absolutely. Everything's got you know pluses and minuses, but there's things we can learn from other people. Absolutely. And But we just refuse to believe that we should. Uh, and, well, a lot of, a lot of people do. Well, so, and there's a, there's, it's kind of rotten that you have to admit that you're not all that, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's it's, true. It's like... It's kind of like, it's, this is back to your little homecoming queen analogy I'm going to throw out here. Okay. All right. You live in a little town in the middle of nowhere, and you get to be homecoming queen, and it's like, woo-woo, awesome, hottest girl out there. <laughs> and then you go to New York, or you go to L.A., and you look at all the six-foot models, and you're <laughs> like, whoa, oh, damn. Wow, I thought I was all that, and I'm just really not. It's, there's <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with being me, but uh, there's a lot of pretty girls in the world. Yeah, That's the same thing with like being an American. You're like, yeah, that's right, we're all that. And then you go out there and are like, oh, right. Right, and I think it's gonna, about to get a little tougher 
for us yeah. to be going around saying we're all that, it's going to get uh, yeah, it's going to get rougher. So, I, uh, folks, if you're listening, uh, Americans anyway, when traveling, let's let's uh, keep it in check right? overseas. Keep a low profile, be humble, mm-hmm. and don't be an asshole. Yeah, because they're going to want to engage now more than ever. Yeah, I mean, I in already, talking, and it was uh, it's going to be. Not fun. I already say when they're like, "Where are you from?" I say California. <laughs> Not ah, U.S. I don't yeah, say yeah. American. Be I specific. Don't say US. Yeah. I say I'm from California. Even if they don't know exactly California, they uh, know Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, everyone knows Hollywood. There's a word that word is known throughout the world. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a place where people didn't know what you yeah what you said. And they, there that are some okay. places. Yeah, okay, okay is known everywhere. Yeah, it's universal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I w- the only thing is there are some people who have scorn for Hollywood, but that's yeah. more of a, you know, trash If he's a place of yeah. reference, you know, they know where it is. I'll still take it over. You know, South Dakota? South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice state. I, mean, I know it is. I know it is. We only need there are one. some nice people. We only need one. <laughs> one, one big Dakota. It would be fine. Yeah. It'd be fine. Um, well, thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. This was fun. Great to meet you. And uh, is there any, if somebody's looking for costume uh, design or something mm, like that, can they hire you? They or? probably can't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Do you want to plug anything, any uh, movie you've worked on or any kind of, where can people see your work? I mean, you can see a lot of my work all over the place. Um, but uh, I work for Legacy Effects Group. So if they want to go on their, uh, on the Legacy Effects website, you can watch a couple of reels. I show up in there here and there. Okay. But cool. We're a big deal. All right. What's this movie? Can you say what this movie in India is you're doing? Oh, it just, uh, they just released, um, well, it's, it's, right now they're calling it Robot 2. Um, but it, the, the posters see, say 2.0. Uh, and I'm not sure if Robot is just the Americanized version of the title. Okay. Um, oh, it's a foreign. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, okay. it's an Indian movie. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, so they don't have Indian costume designers who do what you do. Uh, they um, they hired. You just us do it better. For, I think we just do it better. I this America I, number one. Woo! one. You say that right in your we face. There, that's a costume. Look at that. Suck it. <laughs> that's how we do it. That's right. Now that, and <laughs> after watching us do it for a movie, there now they've got all my tricks. Making America's costumes great again. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. That was fun. Amy Wetzel, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Amy, what you.